What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. From South Bend, Indiana. Who gets upset about the clarinet player on the Lawrence Welcome? <laughs> well, the answer to that would be Luell. It's the Sports Yak Podcast. Google him. There's your catchphrase. That might be what I yell out during basketball games. Google him. Google him. Kid gets red hot, starts hitting. Google him. The number one most downloaded sports podcast on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. That's not cable. That's the turning of the router on the antenna. Oh, no, no, no. Grandma didn't have an antenna like that. What doofus would name a podcast after a stupid Tibetan ox? Probably one of these morons. Corey Mann. Uh, Maybe it was Chuck Freebie. Oh, no. Don't you dare have a leaf fall after Tuesday. God is my witness. Sports Yak. But there's cheese already on it. Why in the world would you need to add cheese to mac and cheese? Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Sifpa Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that didn't realize the live-action Little Mermaid remake was coming so soon, it's Sif Pop. Ariel got ripped. (laughs) Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Spreaker every weekend or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm Aaron Dicer, and he's my lovely and always enchanting co-host, Andrew Ormsby. Hello. And each week, we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And Andrew's already down in his orange drink. Gotta get my Fanta. Some orange Fanta? Yep. Is that your favorite? Out of all the Fantas. Out of all the pops. Oh. Or sodas, as they say here in this area. Uh, No, probably Coke. I don't know. Really? Uh, Yeah. I Dr. Don't really, Pepper's I don't really, mine. I don't really drink soda. No, I don't either. I don't drink a lot of pop. I drink mostly water, but yeah. but I do have a little bit of a thing for Dr. Pepper. If my wife is drinking Dr. Pepper, I will sneak like half of it. If I go to like a restaurant and I say, uh, I'll have a soda, can I get a Coke? And they say, 
we got Pepsi's, then I'll get a Dr. Pepper. Because that's what everybody does. <laughs> Sweet. That's so what every single person does. Whether you like Coke or Pepsi, if you go somewhere and they're like, oh, we don't have it, you get a Dr. Pepper. That's how it goes. These are the rules. Yeah. <laughs> don't try to do anything. And then when the people say, uh, yeah, we don't have Dr. Pepper, then you have to get up and leave because that's some system. business dealings. What kind of establishment doesn't have access to Dr. Pepper? Yeah. Come on. The doctor is in. Yeah. Um, Well, that's that's good. I'm glad to kind of clear up the Orange Fanta thing and kind of get get started with a little bit of pop conversation because that's what we do here. We talk about pop culture. It is sift pop. That's right. You didn't realize that was part of what you were getting. Yeah. But it is. It took us, what, 195 episodes to finally get to it. That is the longest prequel to the actual content We've been disguising as a movie podcast and really this is all about all the pops. It was all a ruse. Uh, And then our next year we'll be talking all about the the best dads. Yeah. Sift pop will change to to being about pops. Yep. Pops. I had a meme on a pop pop. Um, I am excited for a rare triple feature today. Wow! I can't remember the last time we did, or if we've ever done. This I don't before. think we've ever done it. Have we ever done a full triple review? If you're counting pre-shows, then yes. Sure. But if not, then no. I think this honestly might be the first time we've ever done three movies. Because wait, are we counting like uh, the uh, catch-up? Uh, like we did for no, the because for the are, award seasons yeah, and stuff. No, not no. The cram session it d- isn't the same because you know not both of us have seen all those movies and we're not kind of doing full review format. We're not doing you know did you like it, love it for everyone that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, I think this is a pretty rare occurrence, but we're excited to get into it. We're going to chat uh, Aquaman, Bumblebee, and Mary Poppins Returns. Yep, for the three movies today and. Um, not necessarily in that order. Uh, and then we'll do our buried treasure at the end. But other than that, it's just going to be pretty much all reviews. So we're excited to get into those and chat about those and let you know what we thought about those. But we are going to kick it off with some Do We Care. Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick three topics for us to discuss. And you we put must some stank on that I, one, what? man. That was nice. <laughs> Number one. The world has to, unfortunately, say goodbye to Penny Marshall. Yeah, this is we care deeply. Yeah, um, super sad. Yeah, it's... I never watched... Okay, i got to preface. I never watched Laverne and Shirley. I really only know her for her directorial, you know, films, which is astounding. You look at big uh, awakenings. Big is the, the literally the big one for me. Yeah. Um, I, I think that movie is, is beautiful. I think A League of Their Own is also... Yeah. Uh, really good. What was the other, uh, I keep saying big one, but uh, she had a third movie that I'm like, oh, wow, I can't, I didn't know that was her. Well, she has produced a lot of movies uh, that have been really great. But as far as what she yeah. League dir- of their own. directed, yeah. um, she directed The Preacher's Wife. Yeah. Uh, League of Their Own. Awakenings, which I really love Awakenings. Yeah, I love Awakenings. Yeah, it was those three. League of Their Own, Awakenings, and Big. So, and she was working on a, uh, a documentary about Dennis Rodman. Really? Oh, it, yeah, I see that now. That is in uh, post-production, so um, it'll be interesting. You know, that'll be kind of her final uh, piece of content wow. to give to the world. And, um, yeah, great career. Very smart. I didn't yeah. watch a lot of Laverne and Shirley, but what I saw, she was great. Yep. So, um 
good stuff. They're on a league of uh, league of their own this weekend, or big, or something, and yep, celebrate a, a cool career. Yep. Now for the two, do we care? Sure. Yeah, bring it on. Hope you liked Into the Spider Verse because we're getting a lot more of them. <laughs> I think most people did. Yeah. So uh, we're not only getting uh, Spider-Man t- into the Spider-Verse sequels, but I guess every single one of those characters is going to get their own spinoff movie. We'll see. I mean, that's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty bold declaration for them to to make this early. First of all, I'm just I'm glad we're getting sequels because it's not like it's making a ton of money. People love it. Critics love it. Fans love it. People are calling it the best Spider-Man movie ever made. And yet it's not blowing stuff out of the water box office wise. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to me. That's surprising, especially with the holiday season. Because holiday seasons, uh, I know they kind of, uh, you know, go down a little bit in sales and like, because everybody goes to the theater, you know, mm-hmm. summer blockbusters. I think. Still, it's weird. I have a guess. Okay. My guess is, and we both talked about how the look of this movie was a little off for us. My guess is people like what they know. They don't like change necessarily. Families looking at this, the, the decision makers are going, what kind of movie is this? It doesn't look like a Pixar movie. You know, you think of like a lot of people go to animated films that are from DreamWorks or whatever, but they're computer generated and they're like, oh, a new Pixar movie is out. Like people just aren't, they they don't process movies generally like you and I process movies, right? Sure. So I think there could be a very subtle effect of, well, what is this piece of trash that doesn't look as good as, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just on a Just on a subconscious level even. That may be happening. Um, and, and believe me, I, I don't feel that way, obviously, at all. I'm just saying, keeping in mind, trying to figure out how the general public will react to a piece of entertainment is very difficult. Yeah. And I I think there's just, there's something about the look of this that could turn some people off. Yeah. And just it just becomes a second choice. Well, I'd rather see that, you know, that Aquaman movie or that Transformers movie than this weird, what is, Spider-Man. wait, is that, is that Spider-Man in a, pig yeah like what is that you know what i mean sure and for some like me that's exciting and i'm curious and i want new things but most people don't want new things most people want the same thing they've seen before yeah so i think that's probably part of it you're probably right at the same time though i is excited yeah totally all those movies finally all right here we go number three President Trump is replacing General Mattis earlier than expected. Wait, <laughs> that's political news, right? Well, then answer me this, Aaron Dicer. Why are all of the entertainment news sources I go to constantly spewing out political garbage? <laughs> I don't know. I don't see it. I didn't see Seriously? an article on Mattis on any of my pop culture sites. I saw it on two. Really? When I checked today. I'm, You're going to the wrong sites. IMDb. <laughs> IMDb, and there was one... Uh, you know what? I'm not going to call on anybody. So, sorry, IMDb. You got... You got called out, unfortunately. You got yeah. But, seriously, why is it that... So... Well, let me. Let I'm me, trying to re- find a polite and kind and not rage yeah, let's, rant. Yeah, let's, to, let's reframe this. Yeah. Um, I think there is something about understanding that humanity is has all these different aspects. Uh, you and I come and we sit behind a microphone and we talk about movies, right? Mm-hmm. It's not all we talk about, though. Yeah. We are we already spent five minutes this episode talking about pop. <laughs> Soda pop, right? Yeah. 
um, and we have talked about politics, not specifically like gone into, you know, Trump and do you hate Trump and, Mm-mm. you know, blah, blah, blah. That Like, we don't do that. But we have gone in to talk about, you know, representation. We've talked about how movies deal with political issues. Yeah. We've talked, you know, and and because we talk about those things, our own personal views can come out, those types of things. Um, I've I've uh, fielded responses even recently uh, when we were talking about PC culture and those those kind of things on, on both sides. You know, people saying, you know. Uh, the probably, Kevin Hart situation is specifically yeah. where recently we have talked about something that that bridges into the idea of something that's not necessarily political, but it is um, uh, opinion based or worldview based. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I got called out for my my thoughts on Kevin Hart for being wishy washy. I totally own that. I am wishy washy. I want it both ways. I want to be able to give somebody grace and give somebody the ability to grow and evolve and also be the kind of person who would apologize every time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I want both things to be able to be true. So, but I'm not scared of that either. I'm not scared of having those conversations. We've talked about this being a place where we can say uh, what we need to say and have the grace to mess up. And if we say something wrong to admit our mistakes and, you know, correct it. Um, I think of the time we had, um, we had uh, we had transgender issues at the forefront of of the podcast and talking about those things and having somebody on to have that conversation from that perspective and to be able like I love that stuff. Um, so I give a little bit of grace to sites who bridge beyond pop culture, but it depends on how they do it yeah. to me because we are all humans. We're all trying to figure this stuff out. So, but it's but it's annoying to you right now. So here's the thing. I feel bad for you because I'm normally the one that stirs up those arguments and rage. <laughs> no, and since you're always. the face of the podcast and everything, all of that stuff gets thrown on you first. I love it, though. I don't mind. I really don't. Yeah. I think what you need to do is you need to start getting mean and angry like me, Aaron, then people yeah. will be too afraid <laughs> to send, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that, that fits me perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> the angry, mean person. Yeah. Just got to start telling people you're a Viking. Worked for me. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, you get tattoos you're, and everything. You're apparently the uh, the ocean master. We're gonna be talking about that. <laughs> yep, we'll, we'll be talking about that. Um, let's see. So, so yeah, I don't, I don't mind. But if there, if a pop culture site runs an article about General Mattis, that does seem a little weird to me. I don't understand how that's like you, you kind of. Especially if you're a brand and you're trying to pick your lane. For instance, we're looking at launching SifPop.com, uh, relaunching it this next year, and doing more articles and news and those kind of things. I can't yeah. imagine why I would make that a news article on a site that is branded to be about pop culture and about positivity and, it's and those kind of things. It's literally called the Internet Movie Database. Right. So, so that is a little strange to me. So I get I get where you're coming from. But I, I'm not just to call out IMDb, but I've seen it on other websites in other circumstances just talking about political stuff and you know you always have actors and actresses and i'm not uh badgering them for doing this but you know they have a platform you know people listen to them right so if they feel like there's a cause or a political injustice going on then they have you know a voice that a lot of people will hear sure so i get that but at the same time I appreciate when an actor or an actress says, you know what, we're inundated with politics in our everyday life. So sometimes people just look to me to 
escape all that. They want me to entertain right. them. Right. So there are pros and cons for both, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can choose to be one or the other. I think you make your, your choice and you go with it. I have, um, you know, and when you move it from a brand, like a, you know, a brand website to a yeah. personal Twitter, mm-hmm. I think it's totally different. I like, I think it's fine for many of my pop culture commentators that I follow also tweet, uh, you know, stuff about Trump stuff and politics stuff. Some of them a lot. Yeah. And I think that's fine. If you want to make that choice, I, I'm, I totally back that. I mean, there, there are consequences to any, um, divisive choice you make for me. And I think I've talked about this before. I certainly have political ideas, opinions. Those who, you know, hang out at my family gatherings, mm-hmm. <laughs> know those, my, my, you know, close friends who, you know, we hang out and chat about that kind of stuff, know how I feel, um, about a lot of those things, but I don't find that it's my responsibility to go into no man's land and try to be wonder woman deflecting all the bullets from either side. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because this in, and it's not a, it's not a fear thing. Like I said, I don't, I don't fear conversation. I just think it's so much more helpful when you have it with people, you know, and trust and love and have an understanding because so many things, you know, pu- when you make them public can be taken out of context, can be used in weird ways. Um, so I just, I, I don't publicly talk. Like if you follow my Twitter feed, I just don't talk about a lot of that stuff. Unless it's election season and I'm talking about voting. That's like in a broad sense, I'm talking about your ability. I do get very worked up about the anybody who says you're wasting your vote in any way whatsoever. Yeah. That does work me up. That's definitely one of my issues. I hate that idea. If somebody is voting, they are not wasting their vote. It is their vote to use how they want to use it. Um, so... <clears throat> That's my. That is probably the closest I get to being publicly political is encouraging yeah, people a, to own their vote. That's a really huge generalization. You're not getting. There's a difference between I think a political and then campaigning. Right. So you're yeah. not campaigning for anybody. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I think that's good. I'm glad you brought it up. That's gonna wrap it up for Do We Care. Cool. Let's get into reviewing some movies. Yeah. Let's talk about the one with the awesome Julie Andrews cameo. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the one you might think. Yep. Did you did you catch that? By the I way, I did. I okay. did. Let's talk about Aquaman. I've been looking for you. Your half brother, King Orm, is about to declare war upon the surface world. The only way to stop this war is for you to take your rightful place as king. Trust me, I am no king. You do your best thinking when you're not thinking at all. That was the worst pep talk ever. Once home to the most advanced civilization on Earth, the city of Atlantis is now an underwater kingdom ruled by the powery, power-hungry King Ormsby. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it's King Orm. Sorry. With a vast army at his dis- disposal, Orm plans to conquer the remaining oceanic people and then the surface world. But not if Aquaman has something to say about it. Yep. Uh, what did you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I don't loved it loved it i think that's if, great if i'm not, so excited then really on the high side of really liked it that's great and you know what that's what i'm hearing from a lot of people i saw a different movie i oh, did not like this movie oh no I, I, that's I, a shame yeah i'll talk more about why later but let's talk about how amazing this movie is first okay so we're gonna need you to do that <laughs> okay yeah um well it's uh 
I I'm biased DC guy, but yeah. at the same time I hated Justice League and Dawn of Justice. Yeah. And every other movie that wasn't Wonder Woman. Well, that is part of what I wonder if this is like low bar syndrome. Like if if there's such a low bar with the no. DC movies. No, you really think it's good. Uh, yeah. Okay, tell I, me about I it. I mean, okay, there's a difference between Dark Knight good and Wonder Woman sure. and Aquaman good. But like compare it to Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, so you would say it's that it's like that kind of good. Yeah, I, I'd put it in my top 20, top 30 movies of the year. Okay. So, yeah. I really do, I really dug it. Every now and then, you just get in the mood for a movie. You can just turn your brain off and some... Oh, maybe that's it, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I really appreciated... I thought performances in this movie were pretty good. Start here. Surprising, really good performance for me was Patrick Wilson killing it as King Orm. I thought he was fine, yeah. No, I thought he was really good. Like, okay. Honestly, this is going to sound crazy. I liked him as Ocean Master more than I like a good portion of Marvel Marvel villains. Mm. I thought he was very well-rounded. You know, he had what seem, seemed to be a really clear and understandable yes. reason for why he's yes. doing what he's doing. His motivations doing. were great. Yes. Yeah. And um, I'm related, so... <laughs> That's exactly. right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, the first Ormsby actually was named Orm. Yeah. So there we go. Well, have you ever tried to like control the ocean? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's right there for you. Well, I'm terrified of the ocean, remember? Because <laughs> my <laughs> older brother, Orm, he mm-hmm. just he doesn't want me down there. Yeah, no, I totally get it. But uh, yeah, and it's, since I was a little kid, I've always championed Aquaman. Everybody thought I was... Oh, cool. Everybody's like, you know what? Why do you... He's not cool. He talks to fish. And I'm like, you don't really get Aquaman then, do you? He has a lot of cool... A, a lot of stuff that's not even in this movie, you know? So it also lends itself to world building. What did you think of the world building? Actually seeing Atlantis, you know, come to life in front of you. I I just it wasn't exciting to me. I I didn't I didn't Okay. So there's seven seas, seven kingdoms. There's this idea of lost kingdoms, kingdoms that have de-evolved. Uh I don't I don't know what of this is is spoilers. I won't I won't get too detailed, but but the, I I understand there's a a little bit of a depth to the world building here. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, uh, a little bit of a depth charge uh, to the to the world building here, but but for me, I didn't find any of it fascinating. Oh, really? Yeah, like I just didn't like certain things. They'd be like, "Oh, these are these people," and I'd be like, "Well, they're just as goofy and ridiculous as everything else in this movie." You know, like I didn't. None of it felt like. It all felt a bit childish to me, and so I, I couldn't find myself connecting to it in in any interesting way. So, and that's that kind of goes to the world building as well. I, you know, I, I don't know. It felt it felt like a, it felt like a Doctor Seuss book that wanted to be something more. Never got that feeling yeah. once. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, side note: This has nothing to do with the movie. But did you hear that they actually did find Atlantis not too long ago? No, no, yeah. I didn't hear that. Uh, yeah, they actually literally found the lost city of Atlantis, and it is funny enough in the Sahara. Was it in the middle of Georgia? No, it's in the Sahara. <laughs> yeah, they found it. It's uh, if you look up, I think it's called the Eye of the Sahara. It's uh, that's the actually 
wait, that's the lost city of Atlantis. They found it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Fun so, times. Fun times. And it's funny because in the movie, they go to the Sahara. And while I was watching a movie, I'm like, I wonder if if they knew that as they were, you know, making this movie or if that's just one of the funniest uh, parts of happenstance I've ever uh-huh. seen. But uh Trying to think. Okay. So the world building worked for you, obviously. Very much so. You love the, the detail of it. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just think that the uh, the combat in this movie is great. I agree with that. That combat. That was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, even the uh, starts off with, uh, I guess I can't say that's spoilers, but, uh, you know, oh, I guess I can say Nicole Kidman shows some style in the beginning of this movie, yeah. and you're like... Okay, so if that's what I can expect for the rest of the movie, then I'm, yeah, the trident, I'm totally the down. trident fighting stuff is really cool and yeah. really well thought out. Mm-hmm. Um, and even beyond that, some of the more war strategy stuff was mm-hmm. very interesting to me, and I thought, yeah, uh, well delivered. So I I did like that. I there were some there's some moments in this that are spectacular. You know, just big big screen moments that you want to see and. In in that kind of thing. So, yeah, I did like that. Yeah. Uh, I also, I know it's funny you can say there's kind of a King Arthur, you know, mm-hmm. metaphor going here. And even though his name is Arthur, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I just find this story so moving. That's like, crazy to say. But for me, it worked. Like, he doesn't want to be king. And, you know, you always hear about... A guy who's saying he's not worthy to be king. He not only is saying he's not worthy to be king, but he doesn't want to be king. Mm -hmm. And then he has to make a choice of, am I going to sacrifice what I want for the betterment of everyone? I feel like that story has been done so many times before and so much better, though. Uh, I look even like Lord of the Rings. You know, you look at, you know, Aragon and I mean, it's just... There I sense depth and power, and here it's just like, I don't know, it all seems very... That's right two different surface. level of bars for movies. If you're going to compare <laughs> well, no, I'm to just the saying, second greatest talk- <laughs> movie of all time. <laughs> you were talking about that idea of the reluctant king. And I just yeah. feel like it's an idea that has been done a lot in movies. And I didn't feel like there was anything particularly interesting or moving about the way they did it here for me. Here, uh, maybe it's a superhero twist on it. Okay, Throwing it in a superhero world, you know, that kind of works for me. Because, you know, you're mixing, you know, these medieval, you know, tales and values with a mythical lost city. But at the same time, a couple thousand miles away is Batman, you know? Yeah. That's cool to me. That's really (laughs) cool. So you're getting caught up in the DCEU kind of part of it. Even though this movie, by the way. No, not the DCEU, just DC. But, but oh, it kind of tries to retcon everything. Well, we can talk about that. Uh, maybe we need to wait till spoilers to do do that. But I was more saying this movie very much is its own movie. Like, there's one mention of Steppenwolf yeah. in this movie, and that is it. Mm-hmm. Like, that is this, and that to me is is so different than what Marvel is doing, where there are usually two or three entire scenes. That involved the greater universe, and in fact, that's you know rumored to be why Edgar Wright didn't want to end up doing Ant Man is because he didn't want to force in the you know the stuff to the greater universe and yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, so it, I don't know. It was interesting to see. I think it's a, the smarter move for them, considering how 
uh, unsuccessful critically, though that whole idea has been. And then mm-hmm. if they don't want to keep doing it, then they probably shouldn't keep mentioning it. Also have to remember that DCEU is in its infancy still compared to Marvel. I know. Yeah. So if you look at like Iron Man, Hulk, all those beginning movies, and even Captain America, they were all really singular films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. They didn't start having cameos and stuff like that until much later on. I will say this is what they should have been doing from the beginning. This should be the second DC film. It should have been Wonder Woman, then this. Yeah. You know, then maybe... I mean, you could throw a Batman or a Superman movie in there, too, but just, like... I think they'd be looking at a totally different uh, possibility of, you know, future movies if they had taken their time and just done the individual stories first. Yeah. So... They should have gotten all the members of the Justice League besides Batman and Superman to do their own movies first and then save those two. Yeah. So you get Green Lantern, you get the Flash, Aquaman, Wonder Woman... You can even was throw in Cyborg. Was there any member of the OG Avengers that didn't have their own film when they did the first Avengers movie? I guess you could technically count Hawkeye. And, I mean, Hawkeye, and yeah. Scarlet Witch. Scar- I mean, uh, Scar- I almost said Scarlet Johansson. Uh, yeah. Black Widow. Black Widow, yeah. Uh, if you want to count Mark Ruffalo, because technically that but there one was a is Hulk a Hulk movie. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, every single one of them did. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you, it's a little weird being on this side of the table. You know, usually I'm the one that loves, loves some, every movie. Yeah, lo- I mean, I love loving movies, but I really did ha- have a hard time during this one. Uh, like I said, I, I enjoyed the you know the overall uh, action of mm-hmm. what was going on here, but I thought this movie was just dumb. Like some of the the lines in this movie are eye rollingly bad. Can you and give me an example without being spoilerish? I may want to wait till spoilers okay. to do it, but um, I did I did watch the trailer afterwards as I often do, and so I know this this line was in the trailer, so I'm not going to consider it a a spoiler. But um, something about redheads, you know, like what are you going to do, redhead, like that kind of stuff. I'm just like, really, like I don't I don't mind that at all. Yeah. Huh. Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna give away one moment in this movie that I think will determine whether or not you think this movie is gonna be great or ridiculous. Okay. There's an octopus playing drums in this movie. Yeah, yeah. That is just <laughs> dumb. That's just. So, I will I will give you that part was really dumb. I feel like there's so much of that in this movie. Like I, I feel like there's a lot of that kind of eye rolling, ridiculous. Like I don't know. And may, listen, I am totally willing to admit I may have just been in the wrong mindset. I don't know, um, but I just there was moment after moment that just kind of took me out of what was was going on, and I was just like, I don't I don't buy into any of this. Though I shouldn't say that. There's one piece of this movie that I did buy into. So let me talk about that. Uh, Nicole Kidman's piece. Yeah, bought into that piece, and it's a well, very, it's because it's Nicole Kidman, and she's, she's so great, a, amazing. She's great, um, and the the problem is that piece, even though it kind of um, brings the movie together like it is part of the overall arch of what the story is doing it is missing from the majority of the movie it's not like a piece of the movie that I'm constantly invested in it's it really could have been its own short film that was 20 minutes long you know and just skipped all that other Aquaman stuff you yeah. know um, so because of that the the piece that connected to me just wasn't a big part of the film, so I, I found myself a little bit 
rolling my eyes and a little bit bored. Speaking of pieces to this movie, that can segue into one of my biggest cons is there's a lot of pieces to this movie. I think that there's too much going on mm, in this yeah. movie. Um, Part of that's the world building, though, right? With all the different species and kingdoms. And- not really so much. I'm talking about adding too many characters mm-hmm. and too many side stories with the all of these characters. There is a lot. So that would be my I mean, we biggest- haven't even talked about the other villain. See, that's... I didn't want to get into too much with that, which, by the way, he's one of my favorite villains in DC. So seeing him in this movie, and I think that they could have saved him for another movie, you know, mm-hmm. save him for the sequel, which got announced and I'm excited about. Uh, Willem Dafoe, we haven't really talked about much, kind of yeah, as see, a you know, Mr. Miyagi for Aquaman. Yep. Um, wash on, wash off. <laughs> Amber Heard, we haven't talked about at all. Mira's so cool. She yeah. is so cool. I did not like that character. Why? I think it was the performance. I was not buying that performance. I liked it. Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm glad I didn't see your movie. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy Randall Park's in the movie, though. Oh, he is? Yeah. Who was Randall Park's? He was on the TV a couple times talking about oh, Atlantis. Oh, yeah. And then... Well, actually, he's going to be... Uh-huh. Yeah, he's going to be a big... Dr. I bet Shin. he is. Yeah. I bet he is. Yep. He's a good old boy that you had dinner with. Uh, who did, who else do you, want, do you want to mention anything else? Do you want to talk about Momoa? Man, uh, I like him. Yeah. And he is nothing. I think I would like him as a person. I'm not sure I like this character, though. He is very, very different from uh, the comic book version of what Aquaman. I'm not talking physically. No, he doesn't mm-hmm. look anything like, you know. I'm talking, uh, imagine uh, Thor. Like uh, this was actually mentioned in the uh, comment section here by Jasmine that he's aquatic Thor. Mm-hmm. He he really is. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities to the Thor. I mean, Thor is another reluctant king story. You know, um, very very similar in that way. Mm-hmm. And it's also you know kind of weird and psychedelic like this. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So seeing him as this kind of not surfer bro, but you know he was raised as with partying Samoan so you know mm. it's just <laughs> it's just the character that they decided to go with but I like it I really do it's a character choice that I didn't expect ever to see for Aquaman but I think if we did get that stoic serious Aquaman people would think that it's ridiculous I think this version is the most palatable version of an Aquaman that you could get for the big screen I, I listen I have no problem with the sense of humor I, I I think Marvel is well known for their sense of humor most of their heroes have a sense of humor I mean Tony Stark for sure you know, even Captain America who is often straight lace and yeah yeah exactly he still has a, a good sense of humor so I have no problem with the sense of humor I have more of a difficulty when it just gets this um, I'm trying to think of a good word for it, but ridiculous is what keeps coming to mind. But just the idea of, I, I don't know, a cheesy, maybe something like that. It's just so kitschy and it, I just, I could, it was hard for me to, to feel like it was, you know, it, it here's the thing. Okay. I found it. I, I was much light, uh, less likely to actually laugh and much more likely to find it laughable. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and again, that could totally be a, a perspective thing on my part. And I, I completely admit that. And I'm glad people are loving it. That's awesome. Um, because DC needs the win for sure. Yeah. Uh, and and I, 
I'm excited for them to figure out their heroes and figure out how to make those movies because I love great superhero movies. So yeah, so it'd be good if they can make more movies like this and Wonder Woman for me. Then they have a really good shot of catching up to Marvel. Maybe that's my DC bias. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that if they stick to lesser known characters and build up their fan base, like what Marvel did, sure, do that first. Well, they've you got uh, Shazam coming out too, right? Mm-hmm. Old Billy Batson. Um, actually, uh, not too long ago, I think it was two or three days ago, I posted my top tens for Marvel and DC, okay. top ten heroes, yeah. and then top ten villains for each. Uh, so yeah, it's just that's what uh Marvel did. They started with Iron Man. Not a lot of people knew who Iron Man. Then they yeah. did all these others, and they built up the fan base. They didn't wait to do like trying to think of a huge like a. Captain America until, you know, a lot later. So do that. Get me a Shazam movie. Get me a Doctor Fate movie. And once you get, you know, all this momentum, then throw out your heavy hitters. Then throw out Batman. Then throw mm. out Superman, you know? Do yeah. that. Get me my Shazam, Doctor Fate, Green Lantern. Give me all of those, and then you can throw out your big guns. Are you already... Well, Wonder Woman was already amazing, so you just got lucky with that one. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's more of of letting it build naturally than trying, you know, to force it. Um, you know, you push the the baby bird out of the nest too soon, and they just plummet to their death. And I think that's kind of what happened. Well, that's a little morbid. Well, it's kind of what ha- you know. I feel like that's kind of what happened with the Justice League movie. Is they really wanted to get that bird flying, and unfortunately, just wasn't ready. Mm, I don't know. I think Zack Snyder happened to that movie. So, yeah, I mean, it can be some from column A, some from column B. That's a lot of column B, if you ask me. <laughs> a lot of column B, because he had nothing to do with this movie. Uh, any final thoughts? Thank you, James Wan. Yeah, thank you, because I really want to see this movie again. There you I'll go. probably go and see it again today. Very nice. Um, I it's not necessarily a recommend from me, uh, although there's stuff certainly we're seeing on the big screen, so maybe it is a yeah. little bit of a recommend. But it sounds like a big recommend from Andrew. Indeed. So go check it out. Uh, ready to talk about Mary Poppins Returns? Yep, the movie that does not have Julie Andrews in it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, let's do it. Mary Poppins, you came back. You seem hardly to have aged at all. Really. One never discusses a woman's age, Michael. Would have hoped I taught you better. What brings you here after all this time? Same thing that brought me the first time. I've come to look after the bank's children. Us? Oh, yes, you too. Now an adult with three children, bank teller Michael Banks learns that his house will be repossessed in five days unless he can pay back a loan. His only hope is to find a missing certificate that shows proof of valuable shares that his father left him years earlier. Just as all seems lost, Michael and his sister receive the surprise of a lifetime when Mary Poppins, the beloved nanny from their childhood, arrives to save the day and take the Banks family on a magical, fun-filled adventure. Was it magical and fun-filled for you? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Let you go first since I went first last time. I loved it. Okay. I am such a huge Poppins head. Oh, okay. Which could work against this movie or for it. In my case, it happened to work for it. There you go. That was okay. Yeah. Good. Good. I'm glad because we'd have had to fight if you didn't. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you have every right not to like it. In fact, I don't know that everybody is going to love this movie, um, but man, did I love it. 
If you like the first Mary Poppins movie, it feels so much oh, like that first it one. It's very much like the first one, down yeah. to the structure. Actually, I think this movie has a better story structure than the first one does. I don't really know what the story of the first movie is. Once you think <laughs> about it, you're like, a weird sky nanny shows up and... Then the movie ends. Yeah, it's well, it's about it's about teaching Mr. Banks um, how to uh, prioritize life at the end of the day. But it goes a lot of different places to do that. Whereas in this one, I feel like the overall idea of moving on and loss and those kind of things is throughout. Yeah, you know all the the different musical set pieces and everything that's going on here. Um, yeah, man, I think I would start with just the fact that there are movies that just bring joy to the screen in a mm -hmm. pure way. And I'm so down with that. I don't need huge pieces of darkness in every movie that I see. I don't need necessarily, uh, it, you know, something to be complex for it to be enjoyable. Um, although I will say, both Mary Poppins and Mary Poppins Return deal with really life stuff. You know, the loss of a spouse is nothing, you know, that's uh, to um, to sneeze at. So there's there's real stuff going on here. I don't know. So, Have you ever tried it? What, losing a spouse? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, the only reason why I My wife it. had it, yeah. had that real, very real thing in her life for a couple days. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you died. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm, I'm, somebody made a joke the other day on Twitter about how I only like dark, morbid movies. Did you see that? <laughs> I see that. That's not what it is. I think they were more... It's funny how we both took it personally, but or not personally in a bad way, but I, I more saw that tweet as like that... Um, Don't get me wrong. I thought it was hilarious. It was. It was a funny tweet. It was something like a... The Jungle Book was great because it's dark and gloomy. And then Aaron Does, says, is that a good thing? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that is pretty much how I act with a lot of movies, isn't it? If it's dark and gloomy for some reason, I like it. Um, anyways, I, I am not opposed to seeing Unabashed Joy on the screen. There's definitely a lot of that here. Uh, I think Emily Blunt is so great as Mary Poppins. Is this an Oscar performance? That's a great question. Uh, it's certainly getting the buzz. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I think it is. And if you had to choose between this or A Quiet Place for her as performance. Quiet for... Place, 100%. Okay. Not, not, even, not even a question for me. Okay. Um, I was going to say, but... I just like you said, people are talking. So yeah, well, and I think what she's doing is difficult. I'm not trying to say that what she's doing is an easy thing to do to embody this character that is so uh, perfectly represented by, and that was Julie Andrews' first big thing. Like yeah. she had done. Wait, I thought, Broadway sound, I thought and stuff. sound of Music was that mm. before this. Okay, no, no, no. I think this was before Sound of Music. Uh, correct. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, this was her, I believe, first big thing, and she just owned this role in such a huge way that i get why people are you know talking oscar for it and by the way yeah you're right it was the year before sound of music and by the way uh the original mary poppins got a lot of oscar love so um so i think there's that pedigree there as well that people are are kind of putting into it too but no i i would much prefer her quiet place performance to this one yeah not to take anything because she nails Mary oh, man. Poppins. She's so good. Yeah, uh, Lin, -Mel Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah. So curious, is it intentional bad British accent because Dick Van Dyke <laughs> did a really bad British accent? I don't know. I don't think so. Did you think his was bad too? See, I it don't just, know how to judge it. I'd have to ask somebody from England. It just seemed okay. So 
he pretty much is the Dick Van Dyke of this movie. Yeah, yeah, sure. So kind of the tour guide. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, Dick Van Dyke, is infamous for having what a lot of people in Britain consider to be the worst British. Accent. I think every, I think everybody knows that yeah. it is the worst British accent ever done. And yeah. he says he was coached to do it that way by his dialect coach. He blames his dialect coach. Interesting, so. but um, I kind of got exact really. Oh, it's Mary Poppins, you know. <laughs> I'm really throwing this accent on thick, you know. That's what I got from it. I'm like, okay, so maybe he's doing it intentionally as like either an homage or I don't know. or what. But yeah, it was well because they weren't related in this. It wasn't like he was related to Bert. No, or he anything. just chim chimneyed with him. Yeah, he was a what do they call the people that light the lamps? A, uh, there's a name for him yeah. that they say in this. I can't remember, but. Lee, leaner or something? Yeah, Lear or something. Lear, yeah. Yeah. What, the interesting thing is this movie does that a lot where there are these corresponding ideas. So just as Dick Van Dyke was a chimney sweep, he, you know, has this job lighting. There's a big song number where he dances with his fellow, you know, job people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a you know, another big sequence in a painting. It just kind of... You know, the penguins are there. It just kind of touches on all. There's, you know, the Meryl Streep section, which is, you know, exactly a corresponding to the uh, love to laugh section in the original. Yeah. So um, how did you feel about that? Did that bother you or were you OK with it? I was OK with it. The only problem I have with the musical bits is I couldn't really understand what they were saying. Oh, OK. Yeah. I didn't feel that way necessarily, but maybe it was just my horrible hearing or anything, but I couldn't pick out. Actually, funny enough, the Meryl Streep song is the pretty much the only song I really understood what they were saying. There's a bit, like you said, in a painting at like a a music hall. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand a single word that they were saying. Well, that was pretty quick. That was more kind of Lin Manuel style, even. You know, I'm not I'm not even going on about his little raps session, if you could even call it that. But right. his fast word. I'm talking about the songs in general. Like if it wasn't like the. Uh, the chorus, then I really couldn't get it. Hmm. What was the uh, uh, the books, the not the cover or whatever it was that song? Yeah, cover is not the book. Yeah, I yeah. really couldn't uh, understand. Besides, oh, cover is not the book. Uh, I really okay. So I've heard a a lot of people say the music uh, isn't as good as the first one at all. Um, I'm gonna push back on that. Um, how dare you? What? How dare you? Because it's been out a week. You've seen it once. Of course you're not going to know the music or like it as well as a movie that's been out for 40 years or whatever. Hold you know? your high hat right there. <laughs> I'm going to push back on your pushback. All right, let's keep pushing. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a shoving match. When I was a kid, I instantly fell in love. Oh, come on. Oh, what? Re- revisionist history. No, it is not. You're not telling... <laughs> Chim Chimney is one of my favorite songs the from my childhood. The very first time you heard it. Yes. You Chim knew. Chimney, Chim Chimney. And then uh, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Uh-huh. It's just fun things like that. Or, I think uh, it's all hindsight. I think it's all over time. I think it's... Uh, listen, I'm just telling you, I think the music in this could be 30 years from now as singable, as memorable, as awesome as that music. Here's why it works for me. Because I haven't seen Mary Poppins... Since I was a kid. Uh-huh. And the songs still stick with me. Yeah, but that's, they're in the pop culture consciousness. It's not like you haven't heard those songs since When's you the saw last the movie? time you heard Chim Chimney? All the time. Or A Spoonful of Sugar? All the time. No. Uh, you hang out with weird people. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that or I hang out with dark, gloomy people, apparently. Uh, I think A Place Where Lost Things Go is a beautiful song and is definitely one that, that for me, is even better than Feed the Birds from the original um, as kind of that emotional heartbeat of the movie. Uh, I thought Under the Lovely London Sky was great. Um, I didn't like that one. Can You Imagine That, I think, is a great song. Uh, the Place Where Lo- uh, Lost Things Go, I already talked about. Triple Little Light Fantastic. Which one was that? The one where they're dancing around with the lights and Triple Little Light Fantastic is that the Chim Chim more, of this movie, basically. I really liked the choreography of the dancing in that one mm-hmm. more than the actual song itself. Okay. Uh, the other one I would mention <laughs> is uh, Turning Turtle, which I thought was cute. Yeah. Um, so, anyhow, I just urge people, give it a little bit of time before you know you say it's not as memorable as the first. Uh, it takes a little bit for music to get into your mind. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Because uh, I actually remember people saying the same thing about La La Land. Eh, the music wasn't all that great. And now people are playing that soundtrack like it's the best thing ever. And, you know, so. I couldn't name a single song from La La Land. Oh, man. Now See, now we just have to go our separate ways. See, <laughs> it's, it's over now. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about some other things. Uh, did you have some negatives you want to bring up? Uh, really for a movie I thought it was just okay uh, I really don't really have anything bad to say about it it's just a different wavelength than what I was wanting to be on because I just walked out of two movies that really had kind of the same vibe you know mm-hmm. so maybe it was just a little jarring and then again I'm not really a big Mary Poppins fan so going into this movie it's just like unlike you I'm not a What'd you call a poppin' head? A poppin' head. Okay. That's a, <laughs> that's an interesting poppin' head. Poppin's head. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as a poppin's head, I cried when Dick Van Dyke came back. Um, th- there's just so much beauty in the fact that he can play a role that he basically played however many years ago and had to put old age makeup on, and now he has become old. Yeah. and I mean, genuinely old. Yeah. And still performing. Uh, I was that it was really beautiful. him doing the dancing and stuff? What do you think? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't read anything, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I want to believe it. I want to believe it is. I want to believe that. You know, how is he nine? Is he over ninety? I think he's over ninety. Give me two seconds. Um, I want to believe that that ninety plus year old Dick Van Dyke can still kick his legs and have fun. Nineteen twenty five. He doesn't have his actual age. You have to do the math. Yeah, he's over 90. So I want to believe it, um, but I I wouldn't be surprised. I think he's, he's, uh, that would be 93, right? Yep. 93 years old. Yeah. Okay, here's a question for you Angela Lansbury. The balloon lady. She wasn't in the first one, was she? No. Okay, so it's just a oh hey, it's yeah, Angel. She's Lansbury. got a big she's got a very big Disney connection. Well, she bed knobs and bed, broomsticks yeah, exactly. and stuff like that. So I didn't know if like if like it's just I wasn't remembering her in the first movie or something. Or yeah. so but no, it was like nice seeing her. I'm like, oh there she is. I can't believe she's still kicking around either. If I had one negative, it's probably Colin Firth. Um and I don't mean as a performance. His performance is great. It's fine. It's exactly what it needs to be. I just mean that character is, it just feels a little basic for me. Um, The motivations don't make a ton of sense for me. Like, it's not going to make him all that much richer to hide this from them. And I don't know. That's a very, that's a very dark person that I hope doesn't really, 
you know, exist. You've but never I, met a banker, have you? <laughs> besides your wife. I was going to say, you're talking about my wife here. Yeah. Is in banking. Uh, although I do like the idea of a movie about how, you know, corporate uh, overstructure can be damaging to, to those kind of things, which the original had some of that in it too. So, yeah, but I just had, a, I had so much fun. I just had a smile on my face the whole time and love the performances, love the songs, love seeing uh, Dick Van Dyke again. And so, Lot of lot of nostalgia juice yep. coursing through my veins, and that's kind of the point, right? Yeah, that's what they're they're trying to do. So I'm glad you loved it. I had a feeling, like as I was watching the movie, I'm like, if Aaron was sitting next to me, he'd be clapping his hands, just going, <laughs> "Yay, it's right. happening!" That's right. Yeah. Oh man, there's a there's an underwater scene. Uh, oh yeah, one that's of the great. first one of the first imagination scenes, and it is. I was just I was in. Yeah. Uh, right from that moment, I I had. Jump down the drain with them, and I was ready to ready to have a good time. So, so yeah, I loved it. Huge recommend for me. Yep, I still like the Julie Andrews movie, Aquaman. <laughs> More. Uh, that, how is that? That's uh, gotta be. That's is that intentional or is that just the biggest coincidence ever? I don't think it's intentional. I mean, I know Julie Andrews was asked about being in the new Mary Poppins, and she turned it down. For very good reasons, I think. Um, what she says is she turned it down because she didn't want to distract from Emily Blunt. Uh, and it would be weird in a movie about Mary Poppins to have the person who played Mary Poppins be in there somehow. It would just feel like she she could tell it would, she thought it would pull from Emily Blunt's performance and distract from it. Okay. Um, I think that makes sense. Sure. I don't hold it against her. Yep. But hey, if you want to be a crazy sea creature in an Aquaman movie... Yeah. Go go join the drumming octopus and do it, man. Yeah. Uh, you ready to, to head on to third movie? Yeah. Before we do, uh, just a reminder, you can support what goes on at Sift Pop by being a member at Patreon, patreon.com slash Sift Pop. And it starts at three bucks a month, comes with some really fun perks, including bonus episode for every episode of Sift Pop. Uh, we talked about Christmas movies in this one, our favorite our favorites and um, under scenes, those kind of things from the Christmas season. So you can check that out if you're a member at patreon.com slash Pop. Some other fun membership stuff there as well uh, that you can check out. And beyond it all, just thank you for even considering supporting what goes on here. Uh, there's some big plans in 2019 with the website and different things. Um, and uh, that money that uh, you're supporting Pop with is going to help directly make that stuff happen. So thank you very much for doing that. Again, you can be a member at, at uh, patreon.com slash Pop. All right. Let's talk about Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. So you have no idea where he came from? No idea. Well. Here's the deal. People can be terrible about things they don't understand. From now on, the only person you can show yourself around is me. Oh, I'm, I'm good. Now I'm good, thanks. On the run in the year 1987, Bumblebee the Autobot seeks refuge in a junkyard in a small California beach town. Charlie, on the brink of turning 18 years old and trying to find her place in the world, soon discovers the battle-scarred and broken Bumblebee. When Charlie revives him, she quickly learns that this is no ordinary yellow Volkswagen. Uh, Let's chat Bumblebee. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I liked it. I liked it, too. 
pretty it's, strong it's, liked it's it actually the for me first good transformers movie yeah i agree yeah some would argue the first uh i, the, I even think the first is is not that great uh but this is um i was so happy you know an interesting thing happened and we'll get into the details here uh obviously shortly but i did want to say this it was interesting i feel like the bay movies have so damaged the property in my mind um, that I had forgotten how much I love actual Transformers. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I growing up, you know, this takes place in 1987. Uh, 1987, I would have been 12. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Transformers for me probably would have been a little bit before that, you know. Um, they hit me perfectly in my, you know, age range. You talk about Christmas. I remember getting Starscream for Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, I, That's I, so cool. I, rem- I love Starscream so much. I, I do too. He's my favorite, my favorite to play with. Yeah. Um, and I had forgotten that sense of how much I loved that idea because of the Bay movies had so damaged that brand and what it was about in my mind. This movie did a lot to heal that, uh, a lot to start bringing it back. And I found myself remembering, oh, loving these things that transform into planes. And, and am I wrong in thinking the transform mechanic in this movie was a little cleaner than it's been in the other movies because you actually see the car parts right. on them. They don't yes. just uh, CGI yes. blurry, blurry. So you saw I was that gonna, too. I was going to bring that up. Okay. Yeah. I I think the transforming in this is much closer to. And there's still some cheat. There's a lot of cheating. Yeah. That goes on, and I and they still use the same idea from the other Transformer movies that they can just scan things and somehow magically transform into them. I don't necessarily understand that. Um. I would rather it be actual, because when you play with a Transformer... It can't do that. It can't do that, yeah. right? And what I loved... Unless it's made out of play But what I loved about Starscream was, when it was transformed into a plane, mm-hmm. it looked like a plane. Yeah. But when you transformed it into a robot, it looked like a robot. Yeah. You know, like, that's really cool. You can find cool ways to transform things, um, and I think that's a little more evident here, and the reason I kind of fell more in love with what was going on here. Not just Bumblebee, but with... You know the uh, the um oh, what's the name of the the jukebox guy that has the cassette? John Cena. <laughs> the Transformer. That's a jukebox that um or not a jukebox but a, a boombox that has the cassette that pops out turns into a an animal. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well I had that one too when I was growing up, but it, you know it just it felt like seeing all these in more of a real environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Really brought me into it better, and I, I remembered. Oh yeah, I actually love playing with these things. Yeah, uh, the parts of the movie that really took me back to whenever I was a kid, loving Transformers, were the actual flashbacks on Cybertron. Like the, that was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Well, tell me about that because I didn't connect to that necessarily as much. Is that because you love the cartoon? It goes more to the remembering how I would have acted like when I was a kid. I just remember like they. They played oh, okay, the, yeah, yeah. the scenes felt like if they just took out the kid's hand actually holding them, you know, it would have felt you know, just like how I did whenever I was a kid playing with the Transformers, like Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, it just felt very nostalgic for me, especially those scenes. And it was cool. Yeah. There's some cool stuff going on there. Um and, and it served story purpose, which let's not underestimate the fact that this movie actually has a story. Surprising. And, and wow. is actually trying to, you know, tell us something about humanity and about empathy and about caring and about what it means to grow up. And Yeah, like, Haley Steinfeld is crazy good in this. Yeah. 
She really is. Yeah, that, that girl's got some talent. Yeah, she sure does. Good for her. Um, and for us, because she gets to make movies, and we get to see them. And I totally bought the relationship between her and Bumblebee. Um, yeah. The, the way she cared for him. Uh, it, it made a lot of sense to me, because it was so tied to her own personal story. Um, not to give away spoilers or anything like that. Yeah, family. Uh, what What else did you really enjoy about this? Uh, I like the fact that uh, we got to see Bumblebee as sort of a Wally-ish character mm-hmm. in this movie, you know? Uh, an innocence that is something you never really uh, would say is a quality about a Transformer, you mm-hmm. know? being innocent and childlike you know he was pretty much a child in this movie learning yeah everything for the first time so you wouldn't really ex- expect that from transformers they're supposed to be you know robots in disguise you know? it's very much et right yeah it's very much an et i would call it e model t hey <laughs> <laughs> um it's very much that uh you know creature from an alien yeah. place comes can't communicate all that well yeah um mac and, and b yeah, yeah. Um, I I have to say, I wasn't expecting the voice part of Bumblebee to be such a moving part of the story. Um, I knew it would be represented. I knew we'd you know figure out you know how that happened and yeah. those kind of things. I didn't realize how um, meaningful yeah. it would be. I think that's a really great story turn. I think they did a really good job at making that part of him meaningful. Uh, in doing it in a meaningful way. So I loved that as well. Yeah. What else do you like? Or not like? We can talk about whatever. Uh, Let's see here. What do you think of John Cena? I like John Cena for... I thought he was great in this. This is actually my, this is my, actually my favorite uh, John Cena performance. Yeah. Uh, it's very, you know, John Cena. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And yeah. I think that's... I. Uh, he owns his, you know, physique and quality. And mm-hmm. he's just like, yep, I'm big and I can be scary. So Well, it had, it. it had his sense of humor too. Oh man, this movie is funny. We gotta yeah. say that. That one scene, I, the biggest laugh for me in the entire movie is a John Cena moment where the dad was like, "I remember when I was a kid, I stole this blah blah," and he's like, "Yeah, we know." <laughs> I, I laughed so hard at that. That was great. Yeah, he's a funny man. Yeah, he really is. And he's allowed to be funny in this, and yet still be kind of that human element of misunderstanding the Transformers and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, yeah, I liked him. I thought he did really well. I also like the actual Decepticon, you know, realization. They're literally called Decepticons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking that. I'm like, they literally call themselves Decepticons, <laughs> you know. Uh, there are some plot conveniences in this movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And uh doesn't shy away from them. I really like the fact, though, that during action scenes, because, you know, it's a cliche... Giant robots are fighting while the human has to go do a, you know, task, Mm -hmm. you know, that for the most part, it wasn't like Haley needed saving every three seconds, you know, she was doing her own thing. Yeah. I really like her, um, the, her neighbor kid, uh, Jorge Lindeborg Jr. I think is the actor's name. I've got him in front of me here. Um, I loved their relationship so much. Really? Their friendship. Yeah. I thought it didn't work for me. I it worked for me primarily because it seemed so honest. Um, it seemed like such a more. There's a moment right at the end of the movie 
um, where I guess what I can say without spoiling we're it not is there we're yet. not there yet. Yeah. So perfect. Like, yeah. it's just like I, there's because movies so often shoehorn relationships into the typical place. Yeah. And this was not that relationship. This this throughout this entire movie was a friendship. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. It made it made friend zoning someone empathetic and interesting and real and authentic, yeah. you know? Um, so I don't know. I really enjoyed that. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm excited if they do more. I don't know how you would do a sequel to this movie, but. So are they redoing all the Transformers movie? Like, are they I don't just, know. Because I didn't know if like this was just the precursor to the first Transformers movie or not. Well, it is. A, it is definitely a prequel to that. Well, I mean, like, is it like. As soon as that one is it now the Michael Bay movies, or are they just going to make all new Transformers movies that are all prequels to what we've seen, or just say, or, forget, you're saying, or just saying, forget those movies oh, from now on? This like new canon. Yeah, I don't know. Nobody said I'd be fine with that. Me too. I'm totally fine with forgetting those, those yeah. movies ever existed. Yep. They're Sorry, so, Shia LaBeouf. So bad. Let's not focus on those. Let's focus on this good one. Yeah. Uh, what else did you like? That's about it for me. I really enjoyed um, Bumblebee's personality in this movie. Like, and it's I very think, childish, you know? Yeah, I, I think there's something to be said for <sighs> movies that are willing to go small, even though they're big action movies. And that's something Michael Bay just does not seem to understand. And the the character moments are bits and pieces in some of the other transfer transformers movies but there's never anything that sits with anything long enough for you to really get a sense of character and to really get a sense of who bumblebee is and what he means uh i found really beautiful and really fascinating there's a prank scene in this movie which was just adorable yes loved it yeah like he's um, he's discovering joy, you know, mm-hmm. and just that kind of stuff just puts a smile on your face. It's very much Iron Giant. Yeah. There's a lot of Iron Giant here um, in that way. Uh, and I, I I found myself flashing back to some Iron Giant moments. There's there's real, like, almost beat-by-beat beat comparisons to some Iron Giant scenes. Yeah. Um, so I found that interesting as well. And there's a reason... I love Iron Giant too, you know. It's the same kind of thing. So, yep. um, no Michael Bay. I, that's right. Uh, I I really enjoyed this. Yeah, uh, not quite em- enough to say I loved it, but I really did like this quite a bit. I think it's just a solid like. Didn't really like it, yeah. but it's better than okay. Which which uh, how would you let's let's finish with this? How would you rank the three movies, the triple feature that we reviewed today, in order? Um. For me, Aquaman's number one. So you liked Aquaman more than this? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, And then probably Mary Poppins, Mm -hmm. because I understand it's a better movie than Bumblebee. Hmm. I see it's a better movie, but it was just the mood I was in for Mary Poppins. So, and then Bumblebee. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably go uh, Poppins, Bumblebee, Aquaman uh, in that order. Um. No, pro- actually, no, probably about it. That's a pretty definitive order for me. Right loved, on. Loved Mary Poppins, really liked Bumblebee, and didn't quite like Aquaman. Maybe I should just watch it again. That's how I'll I feel. Get myself in a different mindset and see if I can't have a little more fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
with all the things I ha- I want to watch. I was about to say it doesn't seem the, very likely for but. the end of the year for you to say that. That's why I was laughing. I'm like, hey, Aaron's gonna rewatch a movie in December. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Um, all right, well, let's finish off with our uh, buried treasure, Andrew. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. Give it to me. How about another movie? <laughs> I've got a movie as well. Is it Bird Box? It is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, let's just talk about it then. We'll just make it a four for four. We'll just do four full reviews. Seriously, yeah. Um, Interesting. So what did you think of Bird Box? Uh, it was okay. It had potential, but it just yeah. didn't reach. I, I, I think I maybe even liked it a little bit more than that. I think it's really clever. And interesting. Well, it's, it's a worse version of A Quiet Place. And I wonder with if A Quiet Place had never come out, you know, like if we didn't have A Quiet Place in our memory, if maybe we, I don't know, we'd see it differently. Because I did feel throughout the movie while watching it, you know, oh, this is another version of, you know, this is the site version of Quiet Place. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Um, but I thought Sandra Bullock was great. She is good, but her relationship to the kids, which is the most vital part of the movie, yes. was not there at all. But but don't you think that was the point? Yeah, but I thought did, that was on purpose. It was on purpose, but it didn't work. Mm, it worked for me, I think. Really? Yeah, I think that's probably where we differ. Yeah, okay. Because that's the biggest issue I have with the movie. Like, if they would have fixed that for me, the movie would have been pretty good. Yeah. Instead of just good. I think for me, the biggest issue the movie has is it feels a little inert at points. It doesn't have a lot of energy to it at points. Um, because of the the structure of the storytelling, um, where we have a, a journey that kind of intersperses throughout, you know, the background. Like that it, part I appreciated. I, I I appreciate what they were going for, but because of the way it was done, I felt like uh, those moments in that journey uh, lost a little bit of their strength because then we we would cut back to something else. And we'd lose the in the intensity of that, and we'd have to find ourselves back in the intensity of that later mm-hmm. after being in the intensity of something else. Yeah. Um. So it it just kind of took me out of the tension. Now here's a bit. here's why it worked for me. There are parts of the movie where. It flashes forward and then it flashes back. There are parts when it flashes forward to like, quote unquote, the present. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shows things that haven't been revealed yet from like chronologically. And right. Like, so when they flashed back, there were parts where I was like, oh, wait, so how did they get to there? Because that's something new and I didn't expect to see that. Mm. So whenever it flashes back, you're like, oh, I'm curious to know how we got there, you know, mm. or or what happens to them, or what happens to this, or where, why, or I was about to say whose is who, but that might be too spoilerish. I, I will say this. I did appreciate the way the movie revealed its information. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciated the, how it doled out the world building of what yeah. was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found that effective. Yeah. Uh, how'd you feel about the end? Eh, yeah. Yeah. Counter to that, though, the beginning of this movie, the Great Panic or whatever, kind of like in World War Z, mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I was like gripping my couch like oh this is intense this is horrifying and that part was amazing and that really rockets up that movie if that beginning 
had not been as good as it had been, I probably wouldn't have liked the movie as much. I I agree with you. I also think I like the end a little more than you. I There's th- something the end wants to make a reveal that I thought was a little weak um, and just kind of almost kind of a duh. Uh, but I like where the movie placed us. I, li- I like where the movie chose to finish, but mm-hmm. not necessarily what it was trying to do with that finish. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, but I enjoyed it. Yep. I thought it was good. How about this? I'll let that be your uh, Buried Treasure, and I got another one. All right, man. Yeah. Take it away. Because Jasmine just reminded me. There's a show called Letter Kenny that is hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. This is one of the funniest shows I've seen in a long time. Oh, I yeah? love it. I really do. Um, imagine a, a show about Republic that takes place in Canada. Okay. And it's told from different aspects you mean the of the city different city republic yeah. that yeah. we that, that I live w- in. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a town of like five thousand people up in Canada, and it's the story of just the citizens of that town, and you know the different cliques. There's the Hicks, the the emo kids, the religious, um, and just there are shenanigans that they get into. Mm-hmm. It's a very callback centric style of comedy where it's like. They'll say the same joke, you know, a hundred times, but in different settings, and somehow that same joke is fresh every single time. I That's one of my favorite styles of humor, and just the way they talk. You may have seen a clip of the show. Um, have you ever seen that, that skit about the guys arguing about how to make the perfect steak? Mm-mm. Okay. Well, it's a really famous uh, scene that's like making the rounds on like Facebook and YouTube and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but that's actually from uh, Letterkenny, and it's so funny. They have a very quick-witted style of talking with a lot of Canadian, um, I guess you could say nomenclature. Kind of, you know how the British have their own idioms and stuff. Sure, of course. This is very thick Canadian idioms. And you really have to pay attention to what they're saying, but if you start to, like, they have different, like, instead of saying, okay, come on, let's go, they say stuff like pitter-patter, you know, stuff like that. Okay. And uh, it's just, the whole show is like that, and you kind of pick up this dialect that they have. It's so interesting and unique. I've never seen a show like it. It's really fun. Cool. What's it called again? Letter Kenny. Letter? Yep. Kenny. One word. One word. Letter Kenny. Letter Kenny. Because that's the name of the town. The name of the town is called Letterkenny. Letterkenny. All right. Yep. Very nice. Where, mm-hmm. where can you find it? Uh, first couple seasons on Hulu, and then I bought the other three seasons. Cool. Yep. Well, there you go. Yeah. We did it. We reviewed a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of stuff. So many movies. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media, or you can just search for Studio DNA in your podcast player. You should see a list of the shows there. Huge thanks to Andrew for coming by, hanging thank, out again. Thank you, buddy. Um, much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts three bucks a month. You can get access to every bonus episode as well as some other fun perks, including a monthly video hangout also your support will directly be helping sif pop expand in 2019 to some fun new areas you can find out more at patreon.com slash lots of ways to connect with the podcast you can comment rate or leave a review at itunes uh which we would very much appreciate uh, you can also email us feedback at sifpop.com and finally if you're having a good time your movie loving friends will probably like it too so let them know 
about it, and that listening is much easier than finding a giant shiny golden fork. Spoiler chat for some movies should be next up in your podcast feed. And next week, the Sif Pop 2018 Movie Awards Woo! coming your way. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.